gentlemen, start your engines. It's time for the drive home with Davis Rankin and Kennedy Buffet on News Talk 710 KURV. Are you ready? Gentlemen, start your engines. Fire it up. Let's drive them crazy. Once you get in that car, we are going all the way. Home with Davis Rankin and Kennedy LeFay with special guests and in-depth discussions on topics important to you. Call in with your comments or questions at 1-800-580-8255. That's 1-800-580-TALK. And now, buckle up for the drive home with Davis Rankin and Kennedy LeFay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for staying with us. I'm Davis Rankin along with Kennedy LeFay. And you're listening to the Drive Home on 710KRV. Before we do anything, before we even tell you what the topic is, I want to give a shout out to the McAllen Chamber of Rotation. In particular, they stood out for governance, facilities, and commerce, which today was awarded its five star accredited human HR human relations, human resources, I'm human sorry. resources. It's the highest accreditation possible from the U.S. Chamber. Uh, there are like 7,000-plus chambers of commerce in the U.S., and only 81 chambers of commerce are five-star. So. And I still paid for my meal. You still paid for your meal? I thought it came with a membership. No, 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 no. Well, I guess the members they like, they no, give them a free No, meal. not even that. Usually, <laughs> I get it, usually I get comp the meal because I, I entertain there. But. You are entertaining. That's why we have you here. You don't accomplish much, but it is entertaining. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Today's- Should we reprise the idea before we do anything, before we get to God and uh, and uh, heathens? Should we reprise the uh, Mexican American inclusion in textbook thing? Since the Chamber of, since the Board of Education, after insulting people who have a, an issue with the way Hispanics are treated, some of them anyway, they decided to punt and um, they didn't really endorse anything. They just invited. I think they invited publishers to. I put on our Facebook fine. page. It's facebook.com slash 710K. We talk about the Mexican-American yeah. elective. I will, I will just say I was at lunch today with a guy, old family, which I don't know if that means anything. He said, you know, Mexican-Americans have always been in history. They just need to now be included in the history. So I I guess. But, you know, the, the thing to me, I the guys who are there protesting, are they're, they're the ones who make all the white people run because they think it's all a political deal. And if you've got real scholars involved, I think they could depoliticize it and really show the I think everything Show. is political. You're just like a feminist, you know that. They no, think the I personal really is political. I think everything is political. Everybody, I think everybody has a little bent to it. All right. Well, we are talking today about the scriptures, and honestly, if you open up one book in the Bible, I can't think of one that doesn't describe any form of politics. All of them do divulge into it. You got kingdoms, you got kings, you got lords, you got it's just all there. I think why do you bring in? Why do you bring in Lord just because you got a second hit record out? Why are you doing that? <laughs> You're talking about the singer. Yeah, the seventeen-year-old <laughs> New Zealand phenom. Doesn't look seventeen. No, we are, we are. Does not look seventeen. That's not. Coach, good. let's talk about your record. My record. What do you want to bring up my record for? I didn't know she was thirteen. She looks sixteen. Looks seventeen. <laughs> Did you hear about I'm the debate? On, I'm already on the road to. Uh, Did you hear about the conversation? Sorry. Yes. It was on the morning show with Serge. They were talking about this event that's going to happen at Pan Am. Uh, it's going to start at seven o'clock. It's an honest conversation about Christianity and atheism. And I don't know if it's going to divulge into creationism, evolution, but if it does, I don't think the individuals a part of it are going to mind. We have one of them in studio. Well, there are some Christians, like Catholic Church, has got a like a middle ground on that, don't they? On creationism. Explain. I'd rather have somebody else do the explaining. <laughs> That's what they're here for. Let them we got pay. Rick Matson who flew all the way down from 
St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul, Minnesota. Minnesota. Which I like Minnesota. Min- it's beautiful up there. I was the best man in a wedding in St. Paul. Can you say Minnesota? Minnesota. Lots of long <laughs> vowels. In I don't Minnesota. like the, the expressway, the way people come up and down. That just, I, I just remember that Are for some reason. Are you one of those depressed reason. Lutherans that I, Prairie Home Companion talks about? Garrison Keeler <laughs> talks about it all the time. I'm trying not to be. I love the Lutherans. I'm not one myself, and hopefully I'm not depressed. Why are they always so down in the dumps anyway? Guilt. <laughs> <laughs> one word answer. Now, you just came out with a book, right, Rick? Yes. What is that? Uh, the book is called Faith is Like Skydiving. It's written mainly for Christians who want to have uh, engaging conversations with their friends who are seekers and skeptics and to be able to use concrete stories and illustrations in those conversations. So I think a lot of lay people who end up in conversations with their skeptical friends, it might get super philosophical, and they might not know those philosophical arguments. Mm -hmm. And the book provides some more concrete handles and images that they can use. And because your your book was such a big seller, they flew you down here to (laughs) do the debate conversation, right? Such a big seller. It came out this week. So far we've sold, well, not many. Too many. (laughs) Just came out. Your wife, no, it, it just came out. So that's good, and I hope everybody. The wife gets one for free, so <laughs> you can't really count those. No, but it's going to be a very good, interesting event. I think some Dr. Pearson came on, yeah, two or three days ago, and he told us about this, and I thought this is going to be phenomenal. So I called Nick, who's sitting behind you, and I said, Nick, we got to talk about this on the afternoon show. So that's what we're going to talk about today on this on this conversation about Christianity, Christianity and atheism. And I guess we just start off the conversation with Rick. What, which side's got it right? Be, is this going to be? Con- <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start, right? Which side has it right? The Christians or the atheists? Do you cede anything to the atheists? I think we have the common ground. Uh, Michael Jaworski and myself, uh, Doctor Jaworski, teaches philosophy at Pan Am. I think we have the common ground of both being truth seekers. We're both interested in truth and goodness and finding out what's true about the universe and adopting the worldview that has Mm -hmm. the best explanation for what's out there. Why is it always the Christians and the atheists that clash? Why isn't it like the Muslims and the atheists? It could be. I think if we were in a slightly different setting, in a different culture, maybe a different country, you'd have that dialogue. And in some places in the U.S., you could definitely have that dialogue. Islam is not as prevalent around here as atheism is. uh, But it could happen. Okay. What what's your definition of a Christian, and are there? Because the reason for my question is in Islam there there seems to be a variety of of experience, a variety of views on what what Islam is. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some are pursued by others because they're considered heretics, but but Christians have ceased pursuing the ones we think are heretics. <laughs> we, we just tell stories about them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, no more physical violence like that. <laughs> I'm interested in a historic Christianity that goes all the way back to Jesus and to his uh, earlier followers, earliest followers, the early church. I want to be part of that great tradition and that great conversation that's going been going on for 2,000 years. So if you ask what sort of Christianity am I representing, generally Protestant. I am Protestant. I have lots of wonderful Catholic friends, but I'm Protestant, so generally leaning in that direction and leaning toward a historic understanding, what C.S. Lewis called mere Christianity, mere Christianity being defined by roughly the intersection of the ancient creeds, so the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, going all the way back to that. And if you want a specific label for me, 
you might call me an evangelical Christian. Well, what? What other? What when you say historic? What yeah. You, what other kinds is there? <laughs> no, the new agey stuff. Uh, yeah, there's new expressions of Christianity that have oh. come out in the last few hundred years. There's liberal Christianity, which emerged through the Enlightenment. European Enlightenment, and find some expression in some of the mainline denominations today. And there's always dialogue between, you might call it, liberal Christianity and more evangelical Christianity. So I wouldn't say that liberal Christianity goes all the way back to the early church. It's more of a recent phenomenon. Do you think that the going away from, let me back backpedal a tad, I grew up in an independent fundamental church, sure. and they... Didn't really look to the creeds for anything. It actually kind of was shunned to go read into oh, those, okay. the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, and such. Now the church that I go to, they they love the classics, and we, we it, and it gives me a deeper understanding of 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 the ministry. It gives me a deeper understanding of the scriptures. It gives me a deeper understanding of all that. So I don't understand why it was taken away. But having experienced that, do you think the growth of different different denominations, different understandings, interpretations is ultimately good for? Christianity as a whole, or it's weakening um, the understanding that this, the normal man would, I guess, take from uh, looking at the church. Right. Wow, you're throwing me all these softballs, all these <laughs> easy questions. I think there's a bit of both. I do think the fracturing of Christianity overall is not helpful. We divide, and then we subdivide, and we subdivide the subdivisions, all in the name of chasing down a more pure strain of the faith and I think overall that seems counterproductive to me. Perhaps the good parts of it is that along the way, certain denominations, expressions of faith might miss something. And so other denominations come along and help us round out the picture a little bit more. And if we stay in constructive dialogue with those other traditions, our own view of the faith can be expanded, maybe beyond what we find in our own local church. What are your thoughts on when you got invited to have an honest conversation against an atheist? Is it something that's out of the normal for you or something that I guess you do all the time? <laughs> I do a ton of traveling for InterVarsity, so I'll be at uh, 25 different campuses this year. I'm on the road half the time during the school year. I do week-long campus missions at different schools, and sometimes I'm just there for a day or two, but often I encounter and meet up with atheists. Sometimes we do public dialogues. Sometimes it's just sitting around the student union. There might be a dozen students listening to our dialogue. Recently at the uh, University of Minnesota Duluth, we had what we called a debate, where this is billed as a conversation, a little friendlier overtones to it. That was a true debate. Really enjoyed my time doing that debate there with another atheist philosophy professor. And so doing it this week, I think pretty much stands in line with what I do on my during my travels on the road. It's very much what I like doing. I've always had a ton of atheist friends. I like interacting with them. I think I have something to say to them, something to share with them. Mm -hmm. But I'm also very willing to listen to them as well. That's the kind of dialogue I appreciate. I get the impression from, from news accounts that while many people in this country, the overwhelming majority say that they believe in God, that doesn't really mean anything. I'm not sure what God they, I'm not picking, um, I remember when Prince was, I think it was Prince was real hot. Mm. He had a lot of very sexually loaded lyrics, and he was thanking God on the album notes, and liner notes. Mm -hmm. Really, which God is that? Yeah. But uh, while the American public identifies and says, yes, I believe in God, they really don't, 
it doesn't mean anything. It's like I believe in Girl Scout cookies. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Bible says that the devils believe, so just belief in and of itself is really not the whole answer. Really being a follower of Jesus, to me, that's the answer. And the Christian, the whole Christian worldview centers on the person of Christ. And so to the extent that we are devoted followers of Christ, uh, in my thinking, and I think the thinking of a lot of traditional Christians, that's what it really means to be Christian. And that's back to the C.S. Lewis thing about mere Christianity is focused on, yeah, it is, is focused on Jesus. And so just to be Christians in name only, sometimes it's called nominalism, I would agree with you. There's a kind of hypocrisy in that. We're we're a post-Christian. It's a Christianity that doesn't bite. Yeah, right? more yeah. and more we're becoming a post-Christian society. Hold on, we're so take a short, was, we got to take a short break. <sighs> we'll continue the conversation in just a tad. One eight hundred five eight zero. When do we get the atheist on? Oh, we don't have him on. No, he's he's busy. Well, doing I see it. where your heart lies. One eight hundred five eight zero eight two five five. One eight hundred five eight zero eight two five five. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. We're going to get into the weeds, so make sure you stay with us, especially since most amillennialism, amillennialism. No, none of that. No, most individuals will say, "Well, you can't be a Christian." It just spits in the face of science. Christian. We want to talk a little bit about that up next on seven ten KURV. Audio streaming on KURV.com. Powered by South Texas Buick GMC. McAllen Mission. You're listening to the Drive Home on 710 KURV. I'm Davis Rankin along with Kennedy Lefebvre in a studio full of people who Kennedy's supposed to have introduced. Did you do that? I did. To each other? We shared donuts? Oh. We've already been... We've, that's always shared. We've already been outed. <laughs> James Ost, uh, Pastor James Ost is here and he's already... I've already got his picture on, yeah, on my Facebook, Facebook page. page. Uh, and he is the pastor of Iglesia Biblica in McAllen, which, which is one of the... Are you the, like the only bilingual or church? Valley, that's what we're all about. And the Valley is ministering in English and Spanish. So your and church is... You preach third, a little bit, and then you translate yourself? Yeah, I guess our worship would be mainly in Spanish. We do sing some English songs, and then the sermon is just thought for thought, English and Spanish, because we have many families where some speak English, some speak Spanish, the parents speak Spanish, the kids speak English. Hmm. The Valley's just a... Uh, Why don't they make up their mind, yo? Yeah, right? <laughs> Separate the families, send them to separate churches. Well, that's our immigration policy. That was the Baptist churches I grew up in. I mean, you got a kid's church here. That was the Baptist yeah. <laughs> church I grew in. With. I'm not a big fan of separating the two churches out like that. I don't think it works out typically, does it? Methodists seem to have had more luck with that. Yeah, we started out as a purely Spanish-speaking church for uh, immigrants, recent immigrants, but then as the years go by, the kids grow up and now they want class in English. The youth group is all in English. College students want to speak English. Then they want to start hearing songs in English. And so you end up having to go purely bilingual or you're just going to lose people. Hmm. That's the way it is. So it's all about the numbers to you. Okay. It's all about reaching people for Jesus Christ, Kennedy. That's what it's about. I'm going to be nice to you. James will not. James is my you friend. You can call me Jim, by the way. Oh, yeah, Mr. It's Oost. actually Oost. Oost. Well, I used to have an umlaut until my grandfather got to uh, Staten Island and they took the umlaut off. So now I go by Austin English and Austin Spanish. What if you were if you were there and and feeding information into our guest's ear, what would you tell him to say or to ask? Well, I guess my position here is Dickie Simpkins. Do any of you remember who Dickie Simpkins was? No. He was the guard that backed up Michael Jordan. 
So I guess I wouldn't tell our guest anything. I would just uh, sit on the bench and hope I didn't get put into the game. Did Dickie get a pension out of the deal? Dickie, actually, he had to play a little bit a few times, and the announcers would make a big deal out of Dickie Simpkins when he went in. Uh, but he did get For a like pretty good minutes? salary. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he made much of an impact with the Bulls. Oh, we got a ring. So. We got a few. Yeah, it would be fun to be to play with Michael Jordan in practice. That'd be nice. Can I get you a towel, sir? <laughs> well, yeah, but we're we're so glad you're here, man. It's yeah, great to have you. you here in the valley and coming down here and and because atheism is becoming hip among college oh, students. Yes, it is. Is it really? Oh yes. yes. Why is that? I think with the rise of sometimes they're called the four horsemen of new atheism, that being Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, uh, Daniel Dennett, and Christopher Hitchens, they have kind of given voice to uh, young frustrations over the church and so forth, almost like a match to a dry tinder. And students have risen up and kind of adopted this dissing, dismissing style. Of they're this very demeaning to they are very demeaning. anybody who opposes their viewpoint. Unfortunately, uh, quite a few of the college students have kind of adopted that tone of voice and read those books and have become very bold and very strident on campus. Which is the one, Hitchens is now dead, which is the one that... Christopher Hitchens recently passed away, yes, that's correct. Because you used to have the Carl Sagans, who he seemed like he was kind about his approach about it, not as bad as Richard Dawkins. Right, right. Well, Dawkins, tell people who Dawkins is, because, and I don't mean this, this, there's there's something in debate now called the Nazi default, all right-wingers are always referring to... Makes sense to me, but Hawkins strikes me. Dawkins strikes me as somebody who'd be very comfortable in the Nazi regime, and I think that uh, that's an unintended slur. I mm. probably would not. They'd probably he'd be killed. They mm. probably kill him off. But I don't know about that. Is he's, utilitarian? Is that what it is? It's just, well, he no is a science only guy. Anybody. No, there's that's no, correct. That's correct. There, it's science only, and you can only the only kind of knowledge that really counts as knowledge uh, for kind of that. Uh, let, let me back up yeah. because I don't want people to. Get, Misunderstand. It's all about me. But if I understand, the Nazis would had a program to put to death defi- mentally deficient people, yes. people they regarded as mm-hmm. uh, not suited for life. And I thought Dawkins had said, "There's no real reason to save a child." I, I don't read a lot about him, but right. there was an instance where he was asked about saving a defective child, and he said, "Well, no, the child you would do that." Fetus is the same. It makes no sense to save as, as a severely as damaged pig. child upon birth. I don't know about that quote per se, but you probably could argue that based on his what's called materialism or physicalism. That is that the world is comprised just of physical, material reality. There's no soul, there's no spirit, there's no God. And so it is hard then to construct uh, social ethics that you just mentioned there, Dave. Mm -hmm. It's hard to construct a social ethic when your starting point is this materialism and physicalism. Well, what do you take with a lot of the students you mentioned, college kids? Um, they're taking all of these science courses and whatnot. Do you think that it's going to be hard for them to to view Christianity or a biblical worldview if if seemingly science spits in the face of religion? I think sometimes students really are carried away with science and they think science has the answer to all the questions. I think deep inside, though, many of them, especially if we Christians are good at evoking it from them, Inside, many of them think there's more to life than just science and more to life than just the material realm. They do have feelings. It is a, an experience and feeling-oriented generation. So sometimes when they walk into the classroom and they hear all about this material, physical world and all knowledge is captured in that physicalism, they say to themselves, perhaps secretly, that, wow, this, okay, yeah, I could jump into this and get really mad at those Christians and everything. 
But something inside them is also saying there's got to be more to life than this. There is the subjective, affective, feeling, experiential, existential part of life that screams out for answers as well. And so those of us who are Christians, we ought to get good at evoking that part of their personalities and bringing that to the surface. Does science spit in the face of the scriptures? I don't think so. You know, there's three main models you can talk about with science and faith. One is that they're just in their separate domains. They don't overlap at all. They just speak to different areas of life. And the second probably big uh, model is that they are enemies. They conflict. And the third one is that they're compatible. They're friends. And, I mean, I hold to the third one, that they are compatible. Compatible, I should say. That they are friends, that if something is true in science, it's true in religion. Mm -hmm. There's only one God and there's only one truth. Therefore, God's truth has to be true in both realms. So that does put some pressure, I think, on the believer to harmonize biblical faith and and science at times. But I think ultimately, even if it appears in the short run that it's difficult, ultimately that can and will happen. You're listening to the Drive Home on 710 KURV. If you have a question about this, 800-580-8255. This is the Drive Home on 710 KURV. You look at the way the Attorney General of the United States was treated yesterday. News Talk 710 KURV. News at the top and bottom of the hour. What Attorney General has ever had to deal with that kind of treatment? Talk softly, but carry a big stick. What you're doing is talking strongly and carrying a very small stick. In fact, a twig. Like clockwork throughout your day. News at the top and bottom of the hour. And breaking news. Stand by the individual. Hear about it. Talk about it. I think that the United States is in trouble. Your information station. News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the Drive Home on 710-KYRV. I'm Davis Rankin along with Kennedy LaFave, Pastor James Ost, and Rick Matson. He's a you're a national you're you're a national sensation, right? You travel all around the country. I'm national. <laughs> the sensation is really up for grabs, I would say. What uh I'll try to be kind. <laughs> he he will be speaking tonight at seven o'clock at the UT Pan Am Ballroom. It's being billed as an honest conversation about Christianity and atheism. We've been getting a lot of buzz about that. I mean, people have been calling here. This is not here. supposed to be a shout fest. People have been calling my phone all day. Where is it? When is it? And how much? It's only $2 at the door. I think it's going to be limited seating. I don't know. Nick, do you know off the top of your head? 250 individuals can fit in there, so it's going to be for sure first come, first serve. And I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I Two bucks pers- is to pay the cost of the room. Yeah. I personally believe uh, atheism is not making a rise in this area as much as in other areas that I've lived, but... It is making a rise, yeah, especially around the country. So. Now, I had a pastor friend once who said, and this will mean nothing to people who who haven't been in a church in a long time, or who do as I often do, sleep through the sermon. <laughs> but he said he felt Satan's hand was on the valley. Now, that's kind of radical. Yeah, explain that to the unchurched. Tell that to Mister Michael, Doctor Michael Jaworski. You. He teaches at UT Pan Am. He's a professor of philosophy, and he's the other side. He's the bad guy tonight, right? <laughs> well, he is a good guy. I met with him yesterday. We had a really excellent conversation together in the student union just to get ready for tonight. But Satan's hand is on the valley. I honestly don't know what to make of that. I, I would defer to I, local. I teed that T-ball up for Jim. I, I, would prefer, <laughs> I would defer to Jim on that one. What does that mean to people? Does that mean anything to anybody? I, I would say that somebody that says Satan's hand is on the valley is someone who's directly affected by a family member or someone who's probably having a great deal of trouble with drugs, with relationships, maybe even dabbling in Satanism. 
Uh, but I've lived here my whole life, and Jesus Christ is King of King and Lord of Lords over the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, he's still saving people, transforming lives. And if you're struggling with uh, maybe some kind of curandero or you're afraid of some kind of polvo or dust or curse, Jesus Christ can break that curse instantly, and you don't have to fear that at all. He What's died on the cross, rose from the dead. We don't fear Satan. We don't fear any spells of any Tra which Translate else. for the Anglos in the audience, curanderos. Yeah, there's the, 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 in Mexico, there are, there are people, they go to the church to do some religious duties, and then if they really need to get something done, they go to what's known as a curandero or a witch doctor, and he gives them like magic dust and potions and uh, curses. And some people get terrified if they feel like they've been under a curse from Still one of these people. Can they do that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So it's very real to them, and it's a real fear. But there's no need to live under that fear because Jesus Christ uh, conquered death, conquered hell, conquered Satan. So we believe that you can find freedom and uh, transformation by the blood of Jesus. And so you call on Jesus, and uh, you'll be free from fear. Well, what do you say to the individual who reads Richard Dawkins, who watches uh, Bill Maher and all those guys, and they say, well, Jesus is just a guy in a, in a book, and maybe he was a great teacher, uh, just like Gandhi and all those other guys. I always how wonder, do, how do they know he was a great teacher? If they, if they look at the Bible as, and I don't know what they say. You would know mm -hmm. better, Mr. Matson. But if they say the Bible is made up or was done by man, we can't believe it, then how can they claim then, if they do, that he was a great teacher? They have impeached themselves. That is a logical trap, I would say. If you are saying that Jesus was just a great teacher, but he wasn't the son of God, he taught himself that he was the son of God. Therefore, he wasn't a great teacher because he would have been lying about himself. Mm -hmm. So I think you nailed it right there. We lock up those people now who claim to be God. Or <laughs> yeah. Someone's talking to them. Right, yes. Well, that doesn't mean that God didn't visit us at, at least once in human history, that being through the person of Jesus. Is the assault on Christianity a new thing? Is there an assault? Is there an See, assault? I think so. The new styled atheism is much more aggressive than the old, more philosophical atheism you saw maybe in the 20th century. Uh, famous atheists like Antony Flew and J.L. Mackey, um, Kai Nielsen, a lot of others, they had respectful dialogue with Christian philosophers and theologians. These days it's played out a lot more, not only in the political sphere, but kind of on college campuses. And the rhetoric has really been cranked up, and there's a lot of uh, dissing on both sides. To what do you attribute that? These guys found their niche. Uh, Dawkins, Hitchens, Harris, and Dennett have found a niche that was, it was a vacuum. It was waiting to happen. Uh, young people, not just young people, but a lot of young people, feeling frustration with the church, didn't know how to give voice to these things. And then these respected academics came along and gave voice to it, and the young people just lined up behind him and said, oh, yeah, finally, someone is saying it. This is what we wanted to say. And they're saying it better than we ever could have. Because I think one thing that separates these four new atheists out from many of the others is the level of rhetorical skill that they have. I wouldn't say that their arguments are, are, are much, but the rhetorical skill in which they deliver them is really quite impressive. And so a lot of young people line up behind that. It's not just young people, but those are the ones I deal with. How many how often do you get, um, I'm not sure what the line of attack is, that, well, that, that's a document written by man, and, you know, they, they, we find documents where the lettering is done wrong, and that was their job, and they screwed that deal mm -hmm. up. How do we know that the rest of us are not screwed up, or that was then, this is now, mm -hmm. which is a way of 
dealing with a lot of stuff or mm-hmm. there are people who have the seem to have adopted Old Testament views, which they then apply to the New Testament, like we need to stone the adulterers right. and adulteresses. Right. Um, what's the, what's I the do line? get a ton of questions about the Bible. Uh, you might have mentioned before that we do these sessions called Stump the Chump, and students just sit for 60 or 90 minutes in dorm lounges and ask me questions, and I get zillions of those really? kinds of questions. So it does take a little time to tease it out. We may not have that time now, but if I could summarize... You have to go into look at the historical documents of the New Testament and examine them with the same methods you would with any other historical document. And I when, can't read ancient yeah. Greek. <laughs> no, you but you Google Translate and you pop it up on your webpage. It'll well, just, if they translate that to Spanish <laughs> stuff, I see it's incomprehensible. No, I'm serious. People, yeah. they have to take it on faith that that it's on his shoulders. <laughs> it's on Jim. O's yeah, shoulders. sometimes it is uh, up to pastors. But there's a really good, accessible, quality, popularized literature out there about these sorts of uh, questions. Uh, Lee Strobel is a great popularizer. So if someone wants to find out what real scholars think about these ancient documents, you could go read a book by Lee Strobel, The Case for Faith or The Case for Christ, and you'll see that Strobel interviews scholars, and then he helps uh, just ordinary lay people understand what they're saying about these ancient But What about every man or people my age or younger who are, are the ones who are going to be the future of the country? How do you, what do you say to them when, when they look at the, the elites in, in academia, when they look at the elites in entertainment, they look at the elites when it comes to uh, the biological sphere or the, the medical sphere or the, the, all of science, and everything that they say is quite inconsistent with what's in the scriptures. Like, who do they believe, and why should they believe the Christian? Sure. I wouldn't say that's actually true, that all the elites are on the other side. Uh, you could name a number of examples, but I'll just give one here, and that is Francis Collins is a leading scientist in the world. He was head of the Genome Project. He's a committed, born-again Christian, Bible-believing Christian. He has a really accessible website for lay people. I can't think of the name of it right now. But uh, there are lots of Christians in academia. In fact, InterVarsity has a ministry called uh, GFM, Grad Faculty Ministries, and we work with Christian faculty all over the country in secular institutions who are being a witness for Christ. In fact, there's a movement that goes around, uh, Kennedy, it's called the Veritas Forum. And in the Veritas Forum, leading scholars in their fields band together and come to campuses. We had one at the University of Michigan last fall, where leading scholars in their fields, maybe four or five different fields, they gave lectures about integrating their faith and their learning, and these are people respected in their respective disciplines. So I wouldn't say that it's true necessarily that all of the top academics are not Christians. Some are. Mm. But maybe the second response is that I think you have to get back to who is the person of Jesus. If you're trying to decide gosh, should I believe this high academic scholar over here who's an atheist or this one who's a Christian or this one who's a Muslim or whatever? I think a way to bypass some of the scholarly wrangling is to go right to the text and to sit at Jim's church here and learn about Jesus and say to yourself in your heart of hearts, is Jesus actually the unique revealed son of God? And if he is, if God has visited us in the flesh, then we need to pay attention to him. And if he hasn't, then it's all up for grabs. What do you say to an individual who responds to that with, well, isn't that text just a Bronze Age text anyway? Just because something is old doesn't make it false. I think the Bible is a, uh, a, a collection of texts 
that has really stood the test of time. Uh, compare it to the writings of Plato or, or uh, Thucydides or Aristotle or Herodotus or any of the ancient authors that are still read today. The Bible is really in that class. And if we think there is wisdom to be gained from reading Homer, well, Homer is, what, uh, 3,000 years old almost. But a lot of bright people get a lot out of Homer and find wisdom there. I think the same is true of the Hebrew and Christian scriptures. What do you, uh, what do you say to, to people who mock Christians this way? They say, oh, well, you guys believe in fairy tales like talking donkeys and talking snakes. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? It is an ancient text, and I think we understand a lot of it. Uh, some of it is going to be a little bit mysterious or seem a little weird to us 2,000 years later. I'm fine with that. I don't expect the scripture that was written maybe by Moses in 1300 B.C. or written by the apostles in the first century, I don't expect all of it to connect perfectly with the contemporary mindset. It is an ancient document written to ancient people in an ancient context. And what I want to be about is the business of looking over the shoulder of the ancient writers and see what they intended for their local context. And then after I've done that work, with the help of scholars, then I say, well, what might that mean for today? And I think that gets us past some of these difficult passages. But I think there's a sense of humility, too, that as a contemporary interpreter of the text, I just have to say to myself at times, I'm not exactly sure what this meant 3,000 years ago. We have a rough understanding. It could be this, this, or this. We're not exactly sure, and we'll just have to wait till we get before the Lord and ask him someday, like, what did you mean by this talking donkey? We're not quite sure what was going on in that text. Did they embrace that? I mean, you got Pokemon. I want to ask you, you about why he made roaches. <laughs> I, they I, embraced talking Why did animals. God make roaches? Yeah. Why didn't he make roaches? Why wouldn't he? They're nasty. Hey, if I'm finite and he's infinite, by definition, there are going to be some mysteries. My question for God is going to be why in the country of China don't they have American food buffets? (laughs) Seems like it'd be only (laughs) fair, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, let's take a short break. Let me do this. InterVarsity and the UTPA Religious Studies Program uh, are hosting tonight our guest, Rick Madsen, and... UTPA's own Dr. Michael Jaworski as they have a, quote, honest conversation about Christianity and atheism. UTPA ballroom, 7 o'clock, cost you two bucks at the door. That's only to defray the... I can't believe they're making them rent the hall. (laughs) They are. All that local tax dollars. You're listening to 710 KURV. Listen anywhere, anytime on your smartphone or tablet at KURV.com. It's 4.53. Not a lot of time left with our guests who will be talking this evening. We call it a debate. We're not sure what's going to happen. They're promising an honest conversation about Christianity and atheism. Our guest, Rick Matson holds down the Christianity part of that. If it's an honest debate, why'd you pack your boxing gloves? I... Just don't understand. <laughs> InterVarsity's National Apologetics Specialist, <laughs> Philosophy of Religion. I can't read this. It's all smeared. <laughs> Apologetics Specialist, and you have the philosophy. It says, it says bringing in a Christian view. Okay. I'm sorry. It's Jeez. fine. I have a degree in the philosophy of religion. Well, that makes it even better. Graduate degree. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Michael Jaworski, Professor of Philosophy at uh, UT Pan Am, is going to hold down the atheist part of this now. 
Let's not. I'll have one question. Uh, so you've met with the you've met with the guy yeah. and uh, a friend I know who knows him. We we know who teaches other Tom Pearson. Says he's a nice fellow. Mm-hmm. Not going to be doesn't anticipate shouting or anger. I wouldn't or think no. coming across to punch you because you just no. can't stand it anymore. <laughs> well, it's like a twenty feet away distance, so I mean, it's, it's going to take some time. Do you have any idea what his point of view is? I would because you say there, there's the idea. Well, I just don't believe in God. You're mm-hmm. it's cool if you do, or I don't believe in God, and you're an idiot for doing mm. it. Yeah, I think he's going to have some critiques of the Bible. He will say that it's the text has been changed or corrupted or wasn't written accurately in the first place to the events either of the uh, life of Israel in the Old Testament or the life of Jesus in the New Testament. So that those are some of the things. The criticism that, uh, it was like Shakespeare. He wrote it to suck up to. I'm being serious. That it was written to make a political point as much as anything. I think at times he would say that yes, there are political motivations in the scriptures and that uh, the scriptures can't be trusted to give us either accurate history or any th- truth about God. Uh, so I think he'll he'll pursue those sorts of lines tonight. He might get into science and faith uh, some. He's more of a philosopher than a scientist. There seems, you, there seems to be a drum on the left that's beating for how silly it is, how, and I'm not sure which they're talking about, but that the two are essentially incompatible. And yeah. if, you, if you believe, if you're a creationist, you're, you're a per se idiot, yeah. fool, yeah. and... Uh, I don't know if this is an MSNBC enthusiasm or what. Sometimes it's called a God of the Gaps, that atheists think Christians have these grand explanations for things that are unexplainable, but as soon as science comes along and provides one of those explanations, then Christians get embarrassed and they slink over into the corner, only to come out later and give another explanation for a mystery in the universe, and then science advances there. That's the God of, of the Gaps criticism against Christians. But I would say I'm not afraid of science. I've... I think science is a gift given to us by God. I think he wants us to discover his universe. In fact, I think you could make a very good historical case that the reason science grew up in the West more than in other parts of the world is due to its Christian understanding. A friend texted me who said he was told by a biochem professor at UT years ago whose parents were missionaries that science is the study of God's rules. Yeah, I thought that's what science was, was to reveal what... Exactly. To search for and reveal what was already not... what had been done. Yes, Yes. So I don't think as Christians we should fear science. We should support science. So how old is the, how old is the world? How is the world? Well, if Were you're there dinosaurs a, when man was running around. Yeah, I'm bad on dinosaurs, so I'm I'm <laughs> passing on that. I'll pass that over to Jim. He might have something to say about dinosaurs. Well, hold on. We have about about a minute left. What okay. do you say to a devout atheists to to get them to rethink their position, or should you say anything to them? I think it just, I, I, I sound like a broken record here, but you've got to get back to the identity of Jesus. If he is who he says he was, if he is the unique revealed son of God, then we must pay attention to him. He has truth for us from God. Now, if he isn't, then that's another matter. And so I hope atheists will read all the good cases out there done by uh, Greg Boyd and Paul Eddy and a lot of other good scholars who are doing good historical work on the life of Jesus and making a good case that he is uh, the Son of God and deserves our attention. And, of course, there is a book by Rick Matton himself. And the name of the book again? Faith is Like Skydiving, and I do summarize that argument right there in the book. It's accessible to lay people, and they can get that book from ivypress.com. Stay with us on 710 KYB. Don't forget the event is at UTPA. It's going to be at the main comp, UTPA ballroom. It's two bucks. Only 250 people can go. Stay with us. We'll take your phone calls up next. 1-800-580-8255 on Newstalk 710 KURV.
balanced coverage from Fox News Radio, the most trusted name in news. This is 710 KURV Edinburgh, and our communications station. 710 KURV is operated by our communications group. Gentlemen, start your engines. Time for hour two of the drive home with Davis Rankin and Kennedy Buffet on News Talk 710 KURV. Are you ready? Fire it up. Let's drive them crazy. Once you get in that car, we are going all the way. The drive home with Davis Rankin and Kennedy Buffet. We are driving. We, we are driving. With special guests and in-depth discussions on topics important to you. Call in with your comments or questions at 1-800-580-8255. And now, buckle up for the drive home with Davis Rankin and Kennedy LaFave. And I am Davis Rankin. He is Kennedy LaFave. You are whoever you are. But we're That you're here. In case you're just joining us, we finished up an interesting talk last hour with Rick Matson who is uh, down here from InterVarsity, which is a Christian, I think it's youth-oriented. And he is an, what they call an apologetics guy. Apologetics means uh, arguing for something, I believe. And, uh, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy, was down. Uh, if you watch certain cable channels in particular, read some publications, there's a great poo-pooing of, um, well, there's a great fight going on between people who are so-called creationists and the... Um, and uh, evolutionists, evolutionists, um, and the Texas Board of Education, and what are we going to teach our students, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so there is this evening a conversation at seven. They're calling it a conversation about Christianity and atheism. I think because they want it to be civil. <laughs> or, well. They're going to advertise it that way, but you know the advertisements aren't always. Rick Matson didn't strike me as somebody to fly off the handle. I mean, you never know, right? Yeah, you never know. Those are the guys you least expect, right? Right. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody. Do you expect the Spanish Inquisition to come through the door? Nope. So nope. wouldn't you be surprised if some guys in red came in through the door? You'd just be shocked. I would be for a second or two. UTPA ballroom at 7 o'clock tonight. There's a $2 charge because we all know Christians are greedy and they're going to go out for beer afterwards. No, they have to pay the school for the rent of the room, for the rent of the hall. Which was, who was the, Jim Ost, who is the pastor of Iglesia Biblica, can tell me, who was the New York columnist whose final column was it? Was thank you, no, goodbye and thank you for the rent of the hall. You remember that? What, you don't well? Okay. Jim doesn't want to play. <laughs> We need to get your microphone turned on. It was Jimmy Breslin, I think. Am I on now? Yes. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know the answer to that. But if you'd give me a chance, I could have Googled it and looked really smart. <laughs> could have. So what do we say now? What well, do we say now. Let's it, have people. Call. We got Scott on the line. One eight hundred. Well, that's a start. Eight two five five. One eight hundred five eight zero. One of these so-called proofs of God is, uh, at least I hear pastors say this is that. Everybody really knows there's a God. Everybody knows that. They may not know there's a Pope, or they, I'm not sure what they think about all that stuff, but they know there's a God. They look at creation, and they go, ah, it's so pretty. And so that, that's, that lets them know that that didn't just happen. Just well, happen. The, 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 the reason that makes sense is because you don't come across a watch in the parking lot and say, look what nature do. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, somebody had to make that watch. There had to be a watchmaker. And it's just as asinine to look up at the sky and the stars and, and the tides coming in and out and bees pollinating 
and say, look, that just happened from chaotic gases smashing together, and it just doesn't make any sense I to a logical mind. You know, I didn't realize that what that, that is an argument against creation, uh, against um, evolution. Correct. I never thought about it until just this macro day. Macro evolution. Well, see, I believe in things like, I'll give you the example. A doctor says Indian, American Indians, Native Americans, have larger stomachs than the, the rest of us. Well, why is that? Because then the years of feast and famine, the ones who managed to survive were those who had just enough nutrition to survive. The guys with the biggest guts, the biggest stomachs. So over time, those are the guys who reproduced. Makes sense to me. Now, does that fly in the face of God? No, I don't think so. But I've just never could understand people who really say we bubbled up from gases. I just never understood. That. I don't know how you can have something that's non-intelligent. That seems to be as big produce intelligence. Faith. There's just no. There just doesn't make any sense to me. How you could have an, an unintelligent gas somehow produce a thinking and reasoning being. My thoughts on evolution is is, is whenever they do backlash towards me, thinking that I I believe in supernatural events or supernatural power. I think, well, when you look at evolution in the in the books, it it's more than one supernatural event. It's, it's one after another after another from ame- from nothing to an amoeba, amoeba to something, something to another kind, mm. from one kind to another kind. It's just an endless bit of supernatural supernatural events that finally just ceased to exist. You know, I was looking, I was watching a documentary on Netflix. It's about dogs. Just why? Because we have a dog. And I thought, is this oh. after you made it through all the Breaking Bad episodes? Yeah. Finally? Oh, beautiful season, beautiful episodes. This is when he came back from baby class and yeah. he was so appalled <laughs> about what was going to happen. He just no, can't. Really he has to watch. He can't turn his eyes. We're, they were talking about dogs, and they were talking about the creation of dogs, saying man's greatest creation is the canine. Saying 200 years ago, there was only a handful of well, Why does my dog keep chewing everything up? He's well, chewed up three pairs of my shoes. because you're is a bad owner. Is that God or is that the devil? You're a bad owner. You're a bad disciplinarian. That's not on me. That's on you. No, but I was looking at the, watching the video, and he's saying man's greatest creation is the canine. Two or three hundred years ago, there was only a handful of breeds. And the last, ever since, you know, the United States of America, before the U.S. and England, that is one thing that man wanted, was the best friend. They wanted certain breeds for certain, for certain events, certain, um, certain jobs. You had the hunters, you had the watchdogs, you had ones that were for police units, you had ones companionship, ones in your purse, ones in your pocket, you name it. In the last couple hundred years, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of breeds of dogs. But when I looked at that, when that guy was saying, I thought, wow, man and his ingenuity, the best and brightest minds, and they're mixing all these different breeds to create what we know today. There is a breed for every single human being. They never once made a canine into a feline. They never once made a canine into a reptile. All the work that they did, maybe because it wasn't millions of years, they only made from the canine, it turned into a different type of canine. Yet to me, the evolutionists say, no, no, no. This stuff happened all the time. You would get a feline automatically, turn, instantly, somehow, turn into a canine. They call them hopeful monsters. It, it made, That's their explanation. It made no sense to me. We have the brightest minds working explain on that. these things. and yet they Where just, you have one species just suddenly give birth to another species because they couldn't explain the lack of links. It's supernatural. It's unnatural. And It yet, takes faith. It takes great faith to believe that. And yet I'm the lunatic one. I just don't get it. So in some ways <laughs> the attack on Christianity is an attack on a separate set of facts. Is well, it, uh, they're attacking people who have silly views because they believe them without any proof. I would respect an atheist more if they said that there was a pre-existent alien that created all of us. Then we'd be on the same page. Okay, well, then there was well, intelligent designer, creator. Time Warner carries that channel. <laughs> and now we're just <laughs> arguing over who it is, right? 
But when they say that it was primordial gases that just smashed together, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have a graduate degree, but that just doesn't seem logical to me. Well, from your experience in dealing with people, is it people don't believe in God? Well, first off, we I think we have this view that 500 years ago, everybody believed in God, and it was real churchy, and it was all lovely, and Jesus was everywhere. And I just don't think that was true. I wonder if we had more as many atheists or non-believers then as we do now, or people who say, well, I believe in God, but that's as far as it goes. They don't really do anything about that or go to church, or maybe they had to go to church because it was the law, but that we are no... Well, Penn Jillette is a, you know, he's a famous yeah. magician in Vegas. He's an atheist, and he, he says in his book and on his podcast that Christians that claim to be Christians and believe in God actually live like atheists. That, you know, they believe God controls everything and is in charge, and we have angels that protect us, but yet we stop at red lights. And we're careful about, you know, walking around at night in dangerous places. And he said, if you've got those angels and God's guarding you, then why do you have to obey? You know, that's his argument. Uh, but And I think there are some Christians who do behave like atheists. They They live their lives, you know, as if God's really not watching them. Um, but I, and I've so, had dark nights of the soul where I've questioned things too, but what I always come back to is, look, if it's not Jesus, then who is it? If it's not Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then who am I going to worship and who am I going to follow? And all the other options just fall apart. I mean, they don't stand up, including atheism. Atheism's a hopeless, wretched, sad philosophy because it leaves you with no purpose and no destiny and no reason. It just leaves you with your, all your reactions are just chemical reactions. We have a, a, a listener and sometime caller who is both a window washer and a surfer. He's on the line. I have no idea what he's going to answer. He sounds more interesting than us. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thanks for calling us at 710-KURV. Yeah, I've got a, uh, a comment and another comment with a question. Uh, my first comment is... Uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to uh, get to watch Christopher Hitchens uh, in the morning on C-SPAN. He'd come on, and uh, he was very intellectual and very intelligent, a great writer. In fact, he wrote a really good book called uh, Orwell Was Right uh, after George Orwell 1984 book. And uh, it was unfortunate. He solely missed. He died about three years ago from esophagus cancer at MD Anderson in Houston after uh, long treatments. Uh, he was great to watch in the morning. And he was straight out, uh, talked about, his, you know, he was an atheist. Uh, also, the great comedian George Carlin, he was an atheist also. And he spoke a lot on his comedy routines. But uh, you got to take these men for what they are. And, you know, I, I think one of the biggest problems we have today is when, when we grew up, we had, we had a lot of unity within our children and in my classrooms and all us kids. And we always said the Pledge of Allegiance, and they always gave us a minute to pray whatever way we wanted to pray. And it seemed to put everybody together in a better mood to start the whole day out with. And all the kids and teachers and everything had a better unity within themselves letting us do that. But I think since federal government got in the public school system, uh, they've gotten into our religion, too. And uh, who knows, George Orwell might be right. You know, I've always thought, thank you very much for calling us, Scott, on 710KYV. I always thought that the prayer in schools things was a symptom and not a cause. You put a bunch of kids, I don't remember praying in school. If you put a bunch of kids in there, and I do remember the, the uh, Seventh-day Adventist girl who wouldn't pledge allegiance. That I remember because we were, what is up with this? But people are always citing that as a reason, Jim, Jim Ost of Iglesia Biblica and MacAllen, a reason why American culture has gone downhill. I just you know, I don't want to argue with people. I just don't see that. I think that's uh, Madeline Murray O'Hare was a very offensive woman, a very sad, sad, ugly woman. 
who was destructive on purpose. She was one of, but what do you think? I I think that there's an irrational fear of Christianity in the school system today. I think they're scared of lawsuits, and that's why they're they're not praying at football games anymore, praying at at, uh, graduation ceremonies. It's supposed to be non-state sanctioned, not government sanctioned, right? Yeah, but if you have a student do it or you bring somebody in to do it, you can just say this minister is going to pray. You're not saying that the school believes in that particular flavor of Christianity. You're just allowing for recognition of God in that setting. I don't think, I think if you, uh, allow that it's not a big deal, but I think there's an irrational paranoia of anything Christian now in the schools. Uh, but I don't. I think if there's any downturn in uh, in young people following, uh, you know, getting involved in, mm-hmm. in drugs and in alcohol and things like that, I don't blame the schools. It probably starts in the home. It's probably the parents. We're gonna take a short. So you disagree with me or agreeing with me? I Neither. think I think we're both right. Okay. Take a short break. 1-800-580-8255. we got Israel next. 1-800-580-8255. Jim, this question is going to go to you first right after the break. Daryl on Facebook says, Evolution is a mutation and adaptation. There is no debate. The only people who deny evolution are those who don't understand what evolution is and how it actually works, parentheses, and those who don't know what theory really means. We shouldn't be forced to give equal time and certainly not equal weight to arguments born out of willful ignorance and intellectual dishonesty. The theory of evolution adheres to the scientific method. It is testable, repeatable, and predictable. We'll talk about that up next on 710 KURV. Your station for Fox News Radio in the Valley, 710 KURV. Jim Ost is our guest. He is in studio. He is pastor, longtime pastor of Iglesia Biblica, which is a, uh, a bilingual church in McAllen. He is the son and grandson of pastors. And uh, his father was a missionary to South Texas. Can we get Jim's mic on, please? Whatever reason they wired this thing, people can't see. When they we're supposed to get cameras in here. Well, the other thing that shocked me, Davis, is I've never been in your studio here before. I've listened to a lot on the radio, but you guys actually sit in a jacuzzi. This is really crazy. These guys are in a jacuzzi, yeah, drinking smoothies during the show. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes we get iced tea if we can get the yeah. You know, well, good the, on you, man. The that's ladies awesome. to come do it. That's he hogs. A, that's an idea. He hogs all the bubbles for some odd reason. We should suggest that to our owners. <laughs> I think they would look askance at that. So, but, what do you, before we get. So do we have any more? Israel, we get to Israel Amado, what do you say to this guy, then Daryl, on Facebook, who says the theory of evolution adheres to scientific method. It is testable, repeatable, and predictable. Creationism and intelligent design do not. Uh, yeah, that's. I'm sorry, but that's mistaken. How can you scientifically test evolution? It just doesn't work like that. That's why it's a theory. And the idea that, uh, just like I said earlier, that you can have a thinking, reasoning person be the result of millions or billions of years of random chance caused by the collision of two gaseous bodies is just outrageous. Why but their magic mean? wand, their magic wand is always, oh, billions and billions of years. When you tell them, look, if I find a watch and I say nature made that, oh, but no, this is billions and billions of years, like somehow that answers everything. Why do they not view that as that is the leap of faith and what yours is, is that's just a leap of faith in the wrong direction. I'd have more respect for them if they said uh, it was all started by a space alien or there was some uh, space being out there that started I, the whole thing. I had a guest like that one some time do. many years ago. <laughs> Jesus was a space alien. I had him on many times because I thought it was just hilarious. Baptist guy called my, my uh, partner and said, would you tell him to shit? So I had to quit <laughs> interviewing this guy. Now, what his proof was, I don't know, but 
I haven't heard that one. Well, there's a lot of stuff. Now, there is a lot of stuff on, and I don't watch them, but there's a whole subset of people who think that we were, we came from aliens, right? Or that some of the great mysteries of the world are alien leftovers. The Nazca lines are done. Well, we by have aliens. somebody here at the table that, that has heard about that. Why don't you go ahead and share your theory? He is himself an alien. No, he's heard of these people that believe that aliens are the prime movers of creation. Oh well, I, I can I can say this that uh, News Talk seven ten KURV is about to break the the story. Uh, in ancient Sumerian text, news tablets have proven that uh, apparently some alien named the Anunnaki traveled from a star system named Sirius <laughs> across right. millions of light years, and uh, they began civilization and technology, which stemmed from uh, <laughs> an alien who was mining for gold. Of course, though, when uh, the aliens speak amongst themselves, they themselves recognize that there was a god, and uh, they shouldn't be doing what they were doing. They Where is this him. from? It's actually a, a, a crazy book of a series of books. Uh, there was a gentleman called, uh, oh my gosh, he was from the, if you hadn't asked me, I would have told him. Yeah, he's from the, he actually, uh, Eric Van Donneken, actually in the late 60s, oh, yeah. came across with uh, a series called uh, Chariot of the Gods. And then there is a uh, gentleman which was a linguist, which was a. Uh, oh, go ahead, say it there. You remember? Uh, oh, Zachariah Sitchin. Zachariah Sitchin actually created a, a series of books called the Earth Chronicles that uh, came across in the late seventies, and uh, he breaks down this entire series. At the end of the day, though, <laughs> you probably have a, a better chance of uh, saying, you know what, I really want to make a leap of faith, and. Uh, and just believe in aliens. And that series was written, dovetailed exactly with when LSD became popular in the United States. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is, this, is this, is just, this is just great. <laughs> That's why they invented the Internet. It's I was at a time when I was fascinated by this stuff, but then I'm... And then you, but I digress. Became an adult. When you didn't have a girlfriend no. and you lived in your dad's basement? That's when you were fascinated <laughs> Israel, thank you for calling 710-KURV. What's your comment or question? Um, uh, my question is, uh, you know, for you guys are talking about evolution and, and, and stuff like that. Um, I do know that there are some Christians that call themselves theistic evolutionists, which is basically they believe in evolution, but that God was guiding it. Um, um, I, I mean, to the pastor, what, what's your, what, what are your thoughts on theistic evolution? And I do have another question after that. So, uh, okay. Okay, Israel. Um, I believe the Bible in uh, the book of Genesis, tells us how God created the earth and the universe, and I believe that's how it happened. Now, I know there are some Christians that believe that God uh, used uh, evolution to bring everything into being, but I don't believe that that's what Genesis teaches us. And since I believe the Bible is an accurate history, uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bible on that. So he just went kaboom and everything was he there. He spoke and things were created. Go ahead, Israel. Okay. What's, yeah. your, what's your next okay, question? Well, um... No, that that that's actually I, I agree with that. Um, I actually when I when I was in college, I you know came across you know not evolution for the first time, but it was really thrown in our face. And and I went to a couple philosophy classes, and you know the the premise was always God is not real, and here's why. And so um, you know I actually for a time became not an atheist, but agnostic at best. But I I did uh, leave my faith of Christianity, and and I began to uh, pursue. Um, I guess a uh, very agnostic, um, uh, very liberal worldview. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then uh, when I began to do a little digging, I, I actually um, I saw a video by, by Lee Strobel uh, called The Case for Christ, and uh, he asked a lot of questions that I didn't have answers to, and so I began to say, well, you know, uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, scientists or my science professors would have the answer to these questions. And so I asked my science professors, like, where is the evidence for evolution? Um, you know, because that's one of the biggest arguments that people give to there not being a God or a creator because, you know, things just spontaneously happened. And as he was telling me, he was giving claims. I noticed that he was making claims as evidence. So all he would say is, like, this happened and then this happened, and that's how we came to be. And then, But then when I would ask, I was like, well, then how do we know this happened? So like, well, you know, it's just... Israel, be, be cool. We got to put you on hold for a second because because Tim is Tim has got to do the news. Audio streaming on KURV.com, powered by South Texas Buick GMC, McAllen Mission. You're listening to the Drive Home on 710 KURV. We're talking about things eternal or things ephemeral, depending on your point of view. We have Israel and Amado. And which one did I promise first? I, I, I think, think it was Amado. Israel was the one you oh, promised. Oh, I'm sorry. We still have Israel. Jeez, OP. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> we'll always have Israel unless the Arabs get, you know, high behind geez. it. Go ahead, Israel. <laughs> yeah. No, like I was saying, um, you know, when I, I was in college and, and I kind of became a semi-atheist, uh, you know, I, I left my faith in, in Christianity. I, you know, I was like, Jesus is a, you know, a myth. Uh, you know, he, did, he didn't even exist. Um, goes to show the, the amount of um, vulnerability when you have ignorance. When I mean, I was, you know, thinking I was educated because, oh, you know what, I'm so educated now, I don't believe in God. When the opposite was the truth, I wasn't educated on things like the fact that there's a historical Jesus that really existed, but that's beside the point. Um, so when I asked my science, my science professors about the theory of evolution, I came to the realization that they were, it sounded like they were making a lot of that stuff up. And and there was a lot of, and when I would read the, the uh, some of the science books, a lot of the language they use is like it is suggested or, or this type of evidence suggests or um, it is thought or, mm-hmm. um, you know, stuff like that. It, there is no, like, this is, you know, the test that was done and therefore that's how we came to this conclusion. It was just like this little tidbits of evidence that they kind of said, okay, well, we see this, so... You know, anything to not put God in the picture will just say that this happened instead. And that's what it sounded like. And so um, I, then began to, I then came to the realization that um, uh, evolution was bankrupt. And so that wasn't a good reason to not believe in God. Um, and so then I, I began to explore other, you know, the, like the philosophical points, points of views. And, and then even how some people, you know, this movie Zeitgeist came out, um, how it claimed that Jesus the story of Jesus is actually just the story, the story of some Egyptian God retold, um, which, you know, ended up not being true. Um, and so I began to do all this research and then in my quest for, for doing all these things, mm-hmm. um, I came to the realization being an atheist is about as smart as, I don't know, a child, I guess. I don't want to be offensive, Whoa. but I, it, it, it really, it's really bankrupt. Like if you really look at, the things that an atheist believes, and a lot of atheists will, will will cop out and say, well, no, we don't believe in anything, and it's the burden of proof is on the Christian, or the burden of proof is on the religious person to, to convince us that we should believe, but in reality, the atheist is as much a believer as anybody else. They just believe um, 
and their little made-up stuff that they come up with just to say that there is no God. They desperately don't want there to be a God um, because they want to continue to live their lives um, as they wish. And, and I've seen it. I, I've been to a couple of atheist meetings back when I was going to Pan Am, um, and I, you know, spoke with uh, my atheist brethren at that time that, you know, were convincing me that, you know, Christ was a joke or whatever. Um, and it was really bankrupt. Uh, they, mm. they have no leg to stand on, and 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 they just always cop out with this, like, well, we don't believe in anything, and so they always try to put the, put the burden of proof on, um, on the Christian. Israel, I gotta cut you off because we got a ton of other callers, but thank you so much for calling and and staying with us for sure on seven ten K W R V one eight hundred five eight zero eight two five five. Thanks again, Israel, for calling us on seven ten K W R V. What are your thoughts, Amado? Thanks for calling us on News Talk seven ten K W R V. Did I say it right, Amado? Amado. Amado. Yes. Yes, it's, it's some other, yeah, beloved. <laughs> so what? What's your question? I try, I try. Well, actually, actually, just a, actually, it's a comment uh, in support of uh, creationism, looking at it from a uh, reproductive uh, point of view. And I'll just use uh, I'll use a chicken as an example. The only reason a chicken can lay an egg that grows up to be a chicken that can lay eggs that grow up to be chickens that lay eggs on and on and on and on. The only reason a chicken can do that is because its reproductive system is fully developed. Every mechanism, everything that is there that, re, that is required for that chicken to reproduce, and I'm just using the chicken, it applies for an organism that reproduces. The only reason is because its, it's reproductive system is fully developed. Human, doesn't matter who you're talking about, it's fully developed. Now, if evolution explains the organisms that we see now, then take that chicken back in time, imagine it, back in time to, you know, eons back when that chicken was not fully developed as the chicken that we know it to be now. Mm-hmm. How did that? How did it reproduce if its if its reproductive system is still developing? Yeah, we don't know that, but we just have to believe it. It has still developing, <laughs> and it, you know, and that goes for any organism. Anything that reproduces mm. now, at some point, it had to have that full ability to reproduce. It can only reproduce if every mechanism and everything that is required in its system, it's got to be in place. It's got to work in perfect balance and harmony. Otherwise, it ain't happening. And Armando, nobody can look at a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken and not believe in God, right? <laughs> well, I got a comment. Yeah, thanks, Armando, for for calling us. We should probably introduce these other disembodied voices. The other two voices we have Jim Ost, by the way, from Church Iglesia Biblica, Bible Iglesia Church. Biblica, Biblical Church or Bible Church? Biblical Church. Right. He's joining us now. That's Davis Rankin. I'm Kenny Lafave, and then we have these two hotshots. They're going to be having. They're going to have a show on Saturday afternoon. A show on Saturday. Saturday midday. Saturday midday, starting the 26th of this month. That's right. What's going to be called? Johnny. Yeah, I had a comment about the chicken and the egg. Go for it. What came first? <laughs> uh, the egg. No, no, no. No, there had to be a chicken to sit on the egg. Yeah, no, the egg came first, but the chicken you know brought chi- the egg. What's interesting is we're talking about, of course, I know talking about evolution. You just order a chicken and an egg on the Internet and just see which one gets to your house first. <laughs> well, it depends on if you have Amazon Prime or well, not. Well, if you buy it on eBay. Is, is this what the... the, uh, the uh, Eternal quest for meaning in life has come down to, and this is not as, I'm not spurning it, but we're talking a lot about evolution. Is that what this is? Sure. Because the last guy here was talking about what's the meaning of life, right? What, why do we exist? Is Jesus who he said he was? Yeah. And James has said, Jim has said the same thing. If, if you read the Bible and you go, well, Jesus is this, that, and the other, he claims to be, he claims to be God. Once you decide there's a creator, there was a prime mover in creation. Then you have to decide who that was because that's pretty important. The unmoved mover? That's right. The, the being who was not created, who always was. 
And then, hey, we better find out who that was because that's pretty important. Uh, and then you do your research on that and you find out he was a creator God. And then you further f- discover that he's a personal God who cares about you. And not only was he a personal God who cared about us, but he died for us. Well, he doesn't know me. It's uh, 2,000 years after the fact. Yeah, he certainly does, because according to a lot of evidence, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. Nobody could ever produce his body. If they could have produced his body, they could have done away with Christianity immediately, but nobody produced his body. There were a lot of eyewitnesses that saw him after he was dead. And so if Jesus rose from the dead, that verifies the stuff he said about himself. And then you still have to deal with all the hundreds of prophecies that the Old Testament made about Jesus thousands of years before his birth, This guy's a pretty important historical figure. And then if you get that far and you believe he rose from the dead, he's a very important historical figure. There were hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about him that came true. Then what did he actually have to say? That's probably pretty important. Mm -hmm. Well, the Jews are still waiting for this guy, right? They are. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm -hmm. And so, wow. So now Jesus is claiming to be the only way to God. And so we get to that trilemma that we were talking about a few minutes earlier, whether either he's a nutcase or he's a liar, which makes him a very bad man, or else he is who he claimed to be. And if he is who he claimed to be, that's a big deal. And now I either have to accept that or I have to reject that. That's how you get to Christianity. Right. One of the things that... Oh, we got callers. Robert, thanks for calling us on 710 KURV. Robert. Yeah, how you doing today? Good. What's up, Robert? Well, personal thought, I can't imagine going through life with that a void in my life with not have not being a, a you know, believing in God, but you know, there's three times that uh people find God if uh they're atheists or just people that just never gave a second thought to being religious. And one is when the doctor tells an individual that uh, he's come down with something that only God could cure. The second would be a guy that's only got two or three hours left, and the doctor says, uh, would you like uh, a minister or a priest to come by your bed? And the third is the classic. You're going to prison, and when you get there, the first thing you ask for is a Bible, or if you want protection, you'll ask for a Koran. You'll be protected by the Brotherhood and treated a little more gentle. Sounds like, which one are you? Which what, Your evidence of which one of those? <laughs> I'm the guy that that I have no void in my life. I don't need a Bible. And I'm not going to prison because I live a a fairly nice life. I believe in God, and I just can't imagine somebody going through life without having Mm -hmm. faith. Okay. I'm with you on that. Thank you very much for calling us here on 710KURV. Juan, thanks a lot for calling us on Newstalk 710KURV. Go ahead. Hello? Hey, Juan. Hey, guys, listen. I am. It'll be an interesting evening over Penn tonight. But what I find so sad is that how how these liberal professors in, in, at the university level pick on these little eighteen year olds that come into class as a freshman or, or other grades uh, levels. But they they push this uh, this um, evolution nonsense on them and 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 um, the fact that there's no God and these little eighteen year olds just don't know how to defend themselves. Hmm. They're not prepared, and it's not all that complicated. You you ask um, you ask any evolutionist or a uh, Darwinian type uh, thinker, how how life began, how did living uh, matter uh, come about, come arise from non living matter, and they don't have an answer. The silliest one I've heard from a very well educated militant uh, atheist, uh, Richard Dawkins, is that 
an alien life form came to the earth and seeded life and then left. That's silly. <laughs> it takes more faith to believe that than we need that music again. Did he really believe that? That's what he said in, in the in an interview with Ben Stein in that little uh, documentary thing he put out, uh, Expelled. Uh, well, he, he cornered him in an interview, and Dawkins' best response was that an alien uh, civilization came to Earth, seeded life, and uh, and then left, and that's how it began, which is just nonsense. It takes more faith to believe in that than it does in the Genesis account. Yep, agree with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Juan, for calling us on, on 710-KURV. Well, Jesus did say, my kingdom is not of this world. So yes. Was Jesus an alien? <laughs> <laughs> He was a bit of an alien creature, looked at one way. Um, so what else? we got to wrap it up because yeah, we got we to flip the topic. we got Ricardo, Mike, and George. We'll try and get to you guys to stay with us on News Talk 710K. No? What? No, we have to do we have to do music. All right, all right, 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 right. We don't have time for both, do we? Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 710KURV. Let us know what you really think. Minus the profanities, please. <laughs> stay with us on 710KURV. Seven ten KURV streaming live at KURV.com. Powered by Texas Mutual Insurance. I gotta flip the switch. One 8255 I'm sorry. Facebook.com slash seven ten KURV listening to the drive home. That's Davis Rankin. I'm Kennedy LaFave. We've been joined and quite happily joined with Jim Ost. He is the pastor of Iglesia Biblica. Of Iglesia Biblica. You can find them where? You can find us on the internet at iglesiabiblica.us, or you can just look for us at the corner of Chicago and South 26th Street. Chicago, South 26th. Well, you are. Peter Dabrowski, for a moment, before I get the other callers, if we still have time. Peter, thanks a lot for joining us on 710KRV. I heard some some good things. What's going on? Well, we are playing this Sunday the very last chamber music concert. Beautiful music for violin, piano, and cello. The most intimate music you can imagine, romantic music by two German composers, Mendelssohn and Bams, 4 o'clock, Edinburgh, uh, City Auditorium, the last concert in the chamber uh, series uh, of the Valley Symphony Orchestra. Now, I thought last week was your last. Well, that was the real symphony. That was the whole orchestra. This is a chamber, just three musicians, beautiful, wonderful, outstanding solists. Yeah, that means you don't have to pay them as much, right? Exactly. That's <laughs> it costs less to put on this concert. Actually, than it is. they cost much more. They cost much more. <laughs> where Where is this event going to be at again? Edinburgh uh, City Auditorium in Edinburgh at four o'clock, four p.m. this Sunday. Fantastic program. Everybody will love it, and please come and enjoy it. Well, sounds good, Peter. Thanks a lot for joining us on Seven Ten. I hope everybody Thanks. attends. Joe, we got one minute left, right? Should I punch up anybody? I got George. Thanks a lot for calling us on 710-KURV. You literally have 40 seconds. Go ahead, George. Well, that's the most convoluted twisting of scientific evidence and work I've ever heard in my life. Um, Which one? A simple, simple example of evolution. Um, how is it that bacteria are evolving to forms that are totally resistant to every antibiotic you have in minutes after they're administered. It's because they're evolving and changing. Well, we're going to have to leave it at that. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 710 kw George, thanks for calling us at 710. Come back tomorrow. we got Mark and Ben up next. Let that guy sucker punch us. What was he saying? <laughs>